special edition of Real Life Real Crime, the podcast. And today's special edition is the Real Life Real Crime Hotline debut episode where our patron members were able to call in or type in their questions or statements or shout outs to the show and we really, really appreciate it and it's going to be very exciting. But first, we want to give that shout out for our newest patron member, Tanita Anthony, thank you, Tanita. You're awesome. Tier three patron support. We really, really appreciate you. And I don't think, Tanita, that you got your question in yet before we started recording, but it's not too late. Hopefully, you'll get it in tonight before I finish this. So, that being said, y'all, we're growing huge. We're in 69 countries. We're pushing 26,000 downloads. And it's all because you are listeners and fans liking and sharing us. We really, really appreciate it. And one of our moderators from Australia, and Australia is our second leading country for real life, real crime and downloads, made contact with Australia's number one, as far as I'm concerned, true crime show. It's called True Crime Island, and it's hosted by Cam Bo. That's C-A-M and then B-O. And their show's been on for over two and a half years. And this year, in 2019, they're up for an award, or they're one of the finalists in Australia for the Independent Podcaster Award. Man, I started listening to y'all, and he's got some really great stuff. He covers everything from John F. Kennedy's 50th anniversary of the assassination to true crimes that happened in Australia, et cetera. It's very, 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 very interesting. Let me... Introduce you now to Mr. Cambo in True Crime Island. Do you get mad when listening to true crime? Well, so do I. If you want a weekly true crime podcast that says what you're thinking, then grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is Cambo from True Crime Island, another true crime podcast, and maintain the rage with me. Visit truecrimeisland.com where you can download or stream each episode, plus there's links to iTunes and social media. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. This is True Crime Island. And there you have it, y'all, straight from the land down under and the host himself, Mr. Cambo of True Crime Island. And you know, if you listen to me in the past, you know I've only listened to one other true crime podcast. And and I started listening to True Crime Island, and I'm very, very impressed, y'all. Give it a listen. 
So let's get on to the hotline and our first patron member question. And it's going to be from the same moderator I told you about, Shauna VL from the land down under. Let's see what Shauna has to say. Uh, hello, my name is Shauna. I live in Perth, Western Australia. And my question for Woody is, um, seeing that all the crimes that you investigate happen in like Gator Territory, uh, do you find that there's areas that bodies are dumped, um, the crims trying to maybe get rid of the bodies by dumping them in areas where alligators will hopefully dispose of the bodies? Thank you. So yeah, Shana from Australia, the answer to your question is most definitely there are certain areas that more bodies are dumped, just like in the episode Trust No One, the Rudock exit off of I-55 is huge because it's close to New Orleans, about 10 miles, and it's in the middle of nowhere, raised over the swamp. And they said, somebody said, the quote one time, that if all the bodies had been dumped there, got it stood up at one time and started walking, it looked like a bad episode of The Walking Dead. But there's another place, the Chafalai Basin is pretty common also because it's another raised section of interstate over the swamp that has an exit in the middle of nowhere that just has a boat launch off of it but nothing else. No stores, no houses or whatever. And Derek Todd Lee, the serial killer, dumped most of his bodies there. And the reason they dump them, I mean, obviously, is so they can get away with it. You can see cars coming from miles away because they're long, straight, high-raised bridges. Plus, like you said, the alligators, and it's not only alligators, it's alligators and crawfish and crabs, fish, and turtles are a big eater of human flesh it's just a lot of stuff that eats them and makes them go away but in south louisiana you don't have to go far to find a swamp or a body of water to put a body into so good question thank you okay y'all our next question is from our dear friend amy 1096 crime chicks and hey woody and cindy this is amy from 1096 Crime Chicks. I just wanted to drop in and tell you guys that I love y'all. I love the podcast. Y'all are amazing. Cindy, bless you for doing all of the editing. Woody, your stories are amazing. And I can't wait to do a collaboration in the future. I wish you guys all the luck and can't wait to hear your next episode. Bye. Thank you, Amy, and we can't wait to do a collaboration with you either. Y'all, 1096 Crime Chicks, they were the very first true crime podcast I ever listened to, and they've promoted us before, and we've promoted them, and Amy's been a dear friend to real life, real crime, and we appreciate you, Amy, and thank you so much. And our next question comes to us from Kim, who is a dear fan of and friend of Real Life Real Crime. Hey, Woody. This is Kim from Central Florida. I have a question for you. If you had the opportunity to sit down and interview one criminal, past or present, and they had to tell the truth, who would you pick and what questions would you ask? Alrighty, thank you. Bye. Well, Kim, I can tell you 
without a doubt, it would have to be Derek Todd Lee, most infamous serial killer in Madden Rouge or in the state of Louisiana's history. And the reason for that is because I know he killed so many more women than we know about. And we're going to do a long, long, I guess you would call it a season on this guy coming up. And you'll understand that he is the classic serial killer starting out from when he was a child and the things he did and how his criminal career progressed, etc. And to me, it's local, right? I mean, he grew up close to where I grew up and it's just, his crimes are unimaginable. There's so many more women that are still missing that we know that he took, etc. But like I said, I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but Derek Toddley, and when we do his, I guess we'll do a full season, you'll get the just a why I want I just want to know where the bodies are and how many overall and I bet it would be way up there with all the most prolific serial killers of all time and thank you Kim for the awesome question I really appreciate you okay y'all our next one comes from our super fan and friend of real life real crime Sam K is the last initial from Dallas Texas Hey, Woody, Sam Krause here, big fan. I'm curious if you still carry, you know, a weapon or a pistol or, uh, yeah, do you do that to protect your family? And if you ran into a situation out in public, I don't know what the laws are in Louisiana. But if you were out in public and you had one, would you be in a position now that you're retired to do, take any kind of action? I mean, I know my goal is to avoid situations like that. Um, and I don't carry, though I can, but, uh, but I'm prepared should someone come into my home. And so I'm curious what you do as a law enforcement veteran with, you know, presumably a ton of training on weapons. That in the background is my smooch, Maxwell, 15 pounds of fierce. Bye. Hey, Sam Maxwell sounds like a beast, right? It sounds like a 400-pound tiger. But to answer your question, I always, always carry a firearm on me. Not where it can be seen, always concealed. Anytime I go into a restaurant or any public place, I always sit facing the door. I try to find <laughs> Cindy. You know, I guess sometimes she might get fed up with it, but always try to find a table in a back corner so I can have a wall behind me and no one can come up behind me. Always on alert, and I actually travel the country and teach corporations on security consulting the personnel on how to avoid getting into situations and what to do if the situations actually do happen. But if a crime occurred in front of me and I was alone versus a crime occurring in front of me when my family is there, it'd be two different situations. And if my family is there and there's not like gunplay or you know something like that, then I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to let the guys handle it. Like if it's a robbery, you don't want to interfere with the robbery. You want to get them out of there as quickly as possible. And, you know, I can remember all the details and help them with the investigation. But if, 
it comes down to it and there's gunplay involved or whatever, then I'm going to do what I have to do to protect myself and my family for sure. And the old saying goes, I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. And I live by that rule. You also have to consider the fact that I never know if I'm ever going to run into a bad guy that I put away. But thankfully, most of the bad guys and girls I put away aren't getting out anytime soon. Most of them get life or 20 or I used to have what I call the 50 plus club when I was <laughs> when I was a rookie detective and excited about all the years I was stacking up on people that um, I actually had a plaque made on the 50 plus club, what the guy, bad guy's name was and how many years they got. And my thought process behind that was, well, if they're going to be still locked up after I retire, then, you know, it was kind of like a trophy or a pat on the back for myself. But certainly always armed and prepared to defend my family and as far as stopping a crime in progress, it, it would depend on the situation. Thank you, and we really appreciate you. Okay, and our next call is from a super fan and friends of Real Life Real Crime, all the way from California, Miss Jenny. Hello, Real Life Real Crime podcast. This is your number one fan, California Jenny. Just calling to say, loving the podcast, keep up the good work, and I have a question. Um, what do you call an alligator in a vest? An investigator, of course. Anyway, looking forward to future episodes, and peace out. Okay, that was a good one, Jenny. I've never heard it before. Investigator, y'all. The Jenny, we really appreciate you and all you, your help that you've given us. And Jenny is the one that sent us the first fan mail with the coins that we, I talked about in last week's episode. Check out her husband's work. It is amazing. It's J period, W period, hand engraved coins. You, you search that on eBay and, and they're awesome, y'all. And we're going to have some made, hopefully before Crime Con, et cetera, and something to put in the store. But Jenny, we love you. We appreciate everything that you do. I'm going to tell you all something. The Australians love their true crime. And our next call is from another lady from down under. And she's a very, very big supporter of the show also. So here it is. Hi, Woody. This is Christy from Gold Coast in Australia. I finally got through. Um... I love the podcast so much. Not enough episodes come out to keep my my addiction fulfilled. Um, I'm loving everything you do and the way that you tell stories. It's awesome. I'm, I'm addicted. One thing that I'd love to see maybe in the future is um, uh, interviews with other police officers, uh, police officers that you've worked with on the case or um, people related to the case and giving their side. Um, like interviews with other people um, that, that you're, you're doing. Um, that would be really cool. But otherwise, it's awesome. Thank you so, so much. We love you. We love you in Australia. Um, and I'm sharing the world. Good. All right, cool. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you, Christy. Really appreciate you. Um, I totally plan on growing the show and the depth of the podcast, et cetera. The 
bringing in people, especially on the bigger cases, I guess they'll be called seasons that I'm going to do. I'm going to bring in not only law enforcement, but I'm still really good friends with a lot of the victims' families, and I'll be able to uh, bring some of them in to tell their side of the story and their loss and the pain and the things that they've gone through. But, yeah, I have some really great people lined up for future shows and some real characters, y'all, that you think my accent is something. Wait until you hear them. But we're constantly trying to improve not only the, the content, Christy, but the quality, the sound quality, the content, and everything. We're, you know, if y'all support, we're going to continue to get better and better and better. I promise you that. And thank you. And we love Australia. And again, as you heard at the beginning of this one, True Crime Island, Cambo, is, is a really cool show. And y'all should check it out. The Australians just, there are a number two country in downloads by far. And we're in 69 countries now. But in Australia, they eat us up over there. We love our Australians. Thank you. Okay, y'all. Our next question comes from Miss Christine in California. Miss Christine H. I'll call her. She's a super fan and a super friend of real life, real crime. And we really appreciate her. And she asked me, she texted in the question. She asked me, have I worked any cold cases? And Miss Christine, I've worked so many cold cases. As a matter of fact, I like to say I made my bones, if you will. I made my name and career off of some of the ones that I worked and solved that nobody else could solve. And I'm doing full-blown episodes on those in the future, so I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but I have some real humdingers. They're going to be real good ones. I wish I could elaborate more, but I'm gonna talk, I know I'll do on at least two separate ones they will be a part that has to be what they call seasons because it's going to be way more than three episodes. And they're actually tied into one of them is tied into another episode, which is probably going to be the longest episode I do or not episode longest series I do out of all the series that I do. So, but yes, many cold cases. And you have to remember when I started in detectives, DNA was just really becoming more available to us. I mean, back then we would put a rush on a, on a murder case in a rush and walk the DNA to the crime lab at, at the state police headquarters and beg them. And it still might take two months or more for it to get done. It didn't matter if there was a person that was missing. It just couldn't get it done back then like you can now. And so it's a totally different ball game. But also the DNA databases back then were small compared to what they are now because all the genealogy testing websites and plus in the state of Louisiana, they uh, enacted a law in the early 2000s that anybody arrested for certain types of crimes had to be swabbed and their their DNA is put into what they call CODIS. That's the nationwide DNA database. So yeah, cold, cold cases, man, I loved them. I loved them. Thank you for the question, Miss Christine. And our final is from Miss Cassie last name first initial is w and she's from bowling green kentucky and what a she's quite the character and another dear friend 
of the show, and we love you, Miss Cassie. And she wants to know, have I ever worked a case that involved voodoo? Well, Cassie, you know, voodoo started here as a cross-religions from the different cultures in New Orleans. And I have seen uh, things, the different things. I've seen the different instruments when serving search warrants, uh, like the altars and the different things that they do. But as far as straight up, like, do they kill someone in a voodoo ritual? No. But I've, I've seen it, and it's there. It's prevalent. I mean, it's big down here. So I've seen it many times on, on different aspects of the cases, whether it's serving the search warrant, like I said, and seeing the altars and stuff like that that they set up and or uh, the emblems or the classic famous voodoo dolls. And I'm sure there's quite a few people out there who've stuck some pins in a doll named Woody. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's it. So if you ever get to New Orleans, it's real prevalent, and they have the shops in the French Quarter and the Voodoo Museum and all that. And the fans that are coming from Crime Con, if you're interested, will run by those. So that's it, y'all. I think that's going to conclude the first real-life, real-crime hotline episode. And patron members, y'all rock. You know, we couldn't do it without you. Your support and your subscribe or your subscriptions help us, you know, financially to be able to do the extra episodes and stuff like that. And, you know, look, we, you know, we do it because we love it. And, and that's the honest guy truth. I mean, I'm having the time of my life. And Cindy, my wife, is coming in from school, teaching school every day and editing till 9 or 10 o'clock at night and learning it all on her own. So, She's done a phenomenal job, and like I said, we're constantly improving, researching, and getting better, and we'll continue to do so. But broke twenty six thousand downloads today, y'all. In our you know private Facebook page is six hundred and twenty something members. So if y'all are not a member of that, send us an invite, and our dream team moderators will get you approved. And it's so much fan interaction, so much cool stuff being posted uh, about true crimes and everything. And also discussions on the episodes and we interact daily with it. And everybody that's uh, listening, if if you're already part of the crew, K-R-E-W-E, then we appreciate you being on the page and liking us and interacting and all that y'all do. Also, y'all check out our new YouTube channel, which is under Real Life, Real Crime Podcast. Now, you have to go in and search for it under the channel, Real Life, Real Crime Podcast. We had it under Real Life, Real Crime, Woody Overton, but we changed it so we could add videos. And we uploaded a couple of videos from this past weekend. We're going to start doing that every week. This past weekend, we did it live from a little local restaurant. And it's just a more fan interaction, and we appreciate y'all. So go to it and check it out and all our our episodes will be posted on there in audio format and in the future especially when we're doing guest speakers etc we're going to do videos of those shows and post them so we're growing and we're trying to keep up and we thank each and every one of you and we love you we appreciate you your patron members i hope you enjoyed your rlrc real life real crime 
hotline benefit and don't be afraid to use it. You can call in anytime during the month and leave your voicemail. And if you don't want me to play your voice, I won't play it. I just say that. And then I'll ask your question from the voicemail. I'll just read it out. And so use it. And we're going to do this at least once a month, probably maybe twice a month when we get enough questions in. So I hope you all enjoy the episode and we appreciate and love each and every one of you. Friday, tune in for your next regular episode that everybody gets. And if you're not a patron member, check it out, y'all. It's it's really not much. Check out our tiers on Patreon, and if you, if you want to subscribe, that's cool. If you don't, it's cool too. We appreciate your support and tuning in every Friday for the episodes. But. That's it. Thank you all for participating, and we appreciate you. Don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Oh, she do me